First Peter chapter 3, we're picking up this morning with our series on First Peter. It's been a while since we've been here. Lord willing, we'll, we'll be here for a while. and um, It's been a great study and a very profound book. Um, this morning we're going to be looking at verses uh, 13 to 17, but I want to back up to give us a little context. So we're going to back up to chapter 3, verse 8, and read from there. Hear now the word of the Lord. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. For the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that be God's will, than for doing evil. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you asking for your presence by your Spirit in this moment as we um, study your word. Father, help us. Help us to understand. May we be moved and changed by your transforming grace. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Are you ready? Are we ready? To give a reason, an answer, for the hope that is within us. If someone were to ask you this day, what do you believe and why do you believe it? Would you be ready to give them an answer? God in His providence uses His people to draw people to Himself. Using His Word and His Spirit, we might say the two hooks of evangelism, His Word and and the church, the fellowship of the church. God uses His people to reach others. As you think about the people whom God used to bring you to salvation... So are we ready to be used? Are we ready to be used by God to bring others to a saving faith in Christ? Are we ready to give a defense of the gospel? Are we ready to give a reason for the hope that is within us? There was once a young, very intelligent, promising college student um, who was disgusted with Christianity and with Christians alike. He was one of these guys who was just too smart for his own good. And one day, he asked one of his friends, a a young female college student, he asked her, why are you different? Why are you different from the other students in the faculty on campus? What changed your life? 
He tells the story later. He said, she looked at him straight in the eye, deadly serious, and uttered two words he never expected to hear in an intelligent discussion on a university campus. Jesus Christ. What followed was a lengthy discussion about the Lord, and this man wasn't having it. He said, this is all foolishness. Certainly, you know better than to trust in Jesus. And so as a very determined man, he took off time from university, and he traveled the great libraries of Europe, researching to prove that Jesus is not who he says he is, and that the Bible is false, and the claims of Christianity are just straight foolishness. Do you know what happened at the end of that season? He became a Christian. (laughs) Praise the Lord. It turns out as he looked into the Word, as he looked into the primary sources, as he looked into the eyewitness accounts, it turns out that Jesus actually is who he says he is. This man's name is Josh McDowell, a well-known and very well-read Christian apologist, someone who defends the faith. And he wrote a series of books and continues to write and continues to speak, defending the truths of the gospel, giving a reason for the hope that is now within him and is, was in that young woman's heart. And through his ministry, particularly a book called More Than a Carpenter, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people have come to know the Lord Jesus. Indeed, in this short book where he explains the the truthfulness and why we can trust the Bible, and that Christ really is who He says He is, I've personally seen several folks come to know the Lord uh, through this ministry. Josh McDowell is a good example. Because God uses us, He uses others to bring people to Christ. Are you ready to be used? Are we ready to be used? Are we ready to give a reason for the hope that is within us? I want to look this morning at three steps here. We first must have this hope. Then having this hope, we must be prepared. And having this hope and being prepared, we must give an answer or a reason uh, following some pretty um, general or specific guidelines that are very helpful. But in order to be able to give a reason for the hope that is within us, it stands to reason that, that we must first have this hope. There's much in the context of this passage, but this morning I really want to focus on verses 15 and 16. Let's read that again to refresh our memories. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior may be put to shame. Behavior in Christ may be put to shame. In order to give a reason for the hope, we must have it. Now, how does Peter use the word hope here? There is a way that we use hope that is not how it is used here. Oftentimes, we'll say that we might hope we would win a publisher's clearinghouse uh, or hope we might uh, win the the lottery one day. Um, That's not the kind of hope that is here. The kind of hope that is here is the sure and certain knowledge that Jesus saves us and will not forsake us and we will live with Him forever and ever in heaven for those who have been born again. We can indeed uh, insert uh, anywhere we see hope in this passage with salvation, with Christ, with eternal life. Uh, This is the hope that we have in Jesus. It is more than just wishing It is a sure and certain knowledge that Christ has forgiven us of our sins and calls us His own. 
There is no hope in this world apart from Christ Jesus, although we are constantly looking for it, aren't we? There is no hope in the world and all of its lies of of pleasure and good time. There is no hope in earning God's love by not doing bad things. There is no hope in relying on our own efforts for salvation. There is no hope of making it to heaven because we're better than our neighbors. Have you met my neighbor? He's really bad. There's no hope in that. Why? Because salvation doesn't work like that. God gives hope. It's not earned. It's not paid for. It's not uh, paid uh, rent to own or lease or put on layaway. It is given to us as a gift. This hope is ours in Christ Jesus if He's made us new, if He's given us new hearts. If we've responded in faith and confessed our sins to Him, then He will not forsake us. And He gives us this hope both in this life and in the one to come. Sometimes, however... Our appreciation of the hope that we have within us, our appreciation of the salvation that God has given us, it grows dull. It loses its luster. Now, salvation is not changed, but so often we are distracted by the cares and concerns of this world. By pursuing money and and possessions as as the definition of an abundant life, Um, even good things distract us. Family, friends, finances, fun. These are good things. In order for folks to ask us, however, for the reason within us, there's got to be something different. Our appreciation and love of the Lord due to the hope that He has given us must be a brightly burning hope. It must be a brightly burning thankfulness and joy that comes from the Lord and knowing that He is ours and we are His. Now, I'm not talking about being happy-clappy all the time. That's not real life. I don't think we're called to to pretend like everything is okay. Indeed, we're not. Jesus, He wept. He was not happy that day when Lazarus... Well, He didn't die that day. He died four days before. He had wept. He cried out with great anguish. But are we different? Is Is our light dim? When we think about Josh McDowell and um, that lady whom he looked to and said, what's different about you? Obviously, she's someone who had a vibrant walk with the Lord. He could look at her and had seen her her behavior and knew there's something different about her. Is this true of us? Would folks ask for a reason of our lives? Hey, why are you different? different? Because the question is, are we different? We may be different in our souls, but do other folks see it? Um, you know, a dim light will not be noticed by many. What are the, you know, the, the gas wells with the vents? Are those vents that are, you know, flaming up top? They're, they're venting the excess gas. You know, if you're out on the road heading to, um, you know, take a ride at, at, at Castleberry, you know, heading down toward Brooklyn, that area, they're, they're just everywhere. And if you're, you're going there early in the morning, they just, they, they light up everything. It's like you can, you probably read a book. You know, 300 yards from these things. They, they affect and they light up everything. And so is a believer who is vibrantly walking with the Lord and depending on Him daily. Folks are going to take notice. Hey, what's with that dude? And they might just ask, hey, what's the reason for the hope that is within you? I think that ultimately comes from reading the Bible and praying every day. 
We sang a song at um, Palmer Home. It was very simple and it's very true. Read your, bri- read your Bible and pray every day. Pray every day. Pray every day. Read your Bible and pray every day and you will grow stronger. Don't read your Bible and don't pray every day. Don't read your Bible and don't pray every day. Don't read your Bible and don't pray every day and you will grow weaker. God doesn't save us or love us based on our devotions. But you better believe there is a very clear link between our vibrancy and love for the Lord and if we've spent time with Him. It's like Moses when he went to the the mountaintop. You know, when he came down, he had a different countenance. He glowed and they said, no, 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 put something over your face. We can't even stand that. Our countenance has changed when we spend time with Jesus as well. In order to give an answer, we must first have the hope. And then we must prepare. We must be ready This means we need answers. We need to know some answers. This means that we need to be diligent to study the Word and to study what we believe and know why we believe it, as one radio program says. We don't have to know every answer. We won't. You know, even the seminary professors, they don't know every answer. In fact, if you ever find a seminary professor who says they know the answers, run and don't learn from them because there's no humility in that. We don't know all the answers. And it's okay to tell people that. I don't know the answer to that question. But we do need to know some answers. We need to know the basics of our faith. We need to know what the Bible says. We need to know how to become a believer. We don't have to know a lot. But we do need to know some. Um, You know, we, we use something every Sunday that's a really good tool. If someone comes to you and says, hey, what do you believe? Let me tell you what I believe. I believe... And God. He's our Father and He's Almighty. You know what? He's made heaven and earth. He's made everything. And not only do I believe that, that our God, He is our Father, not only do I believe that He's made everything, but He has sent His one and only Son who is our Lord. You know, He was born of a virgin about 2,000 years ago and He came. And He came and He lived a righteous life and then about 33 years later, he suffered under a guy. We, we actually know his name. His name was Pontius Pilate. Because he loves you, he was crucified. He died on the cross for your sins. And he really died. And he was buried. And he experienced hell on the cross for us, for our sins. But you know, the grave could not hold him. Let me tell you what happened on the third day. He rose again from the dead. You know, now he, he, he is with us, but he's specifically in heaven uh, which is where we'll go if we love Jesus when we die. And, and there He sits at the right hand of His Father, our God, who made everything. But one day He's coming back. And He's going to judge everybody who's alive, who's quick, and who's dead. Not only do I believe in the Father and the Son, but I also believe there's a third person of the Trinity, the, the, the Holy Spirit. You see where I'm going with this? If you know the Apostles' Creed, then you have what you need to share your faith. You know it. You've got it. You're ready today. We always have our personal testimonies of what God has done for us. God doesn't just help us for our own purposes, but for the purposes of His people. We must be ready in any season. Paul tells Timothy, his protege in 2 Timothy uh, 4 verse 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Do you think that lady whom Josh McDowell asked that day in the cafeteria knew that, oh, today's the day. Josh is going to ask me what's, what's different about me. No. She was ready, in and out of season. I find that the seasons I don't want to be ready in are the ones when people ask me the most. 
when I'm tired, when I'm worn out, when I'm frustrated, I work long hours, when I just have a sinful heart. We're called to be ready in and out of season. Um, there, the, the context here is under persecution and suffering. That, that's the context of 1 Peter 3. Um, probably especially in, in a courtroom setting, if a judge were to ask you what you believe and why you believe it, would you be zealous? Or would you say it very, very quietly? God calls us to be zealous and proclaim to all who would ask, even if it means our torture and our death, that Christ is Lord. But I think for us, you know, thankfully we haven't come to that point in our, in, our, um, in our country, praise the Lord. Most of our brothers and sisters around the world, if you look at numbers, live in places like that. When we think about the Chinese church, which is somewhere between 80 and 120 million Christians, okay, let's think about that number. They live in a country where they're not allowed to say that out loud. But we face uh, the questions and the revilings and the evil actions and words of, of unbelievers in this world who are hostile towards Christianity. You know them. They're in your workplace. Students, they're with you at school. You're, you're a fool for believing that. That's for kids. Are we ready to give them an answer? But I think especially those who are seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord, who, who see a difference and are genuinely concerned or, or, or curious, what's, what's different about you? Why are you and your family like this? Tell me. Are you ready to tell them? Ultimately, our answer is not one of propositional truth. It is ultimately not one of pat answers and something you'll read in a book. Those are important. Those are important. We need to know those. Ultimately, it is a person. It is Jesus Christ and what He's done for us. We aren't to be afraid when others tell us, ask us what the reason is. We are to prepare, but at the same time, we're not to be afraid that we won't be ready. Luke 12, verses 11 through 12, we read this. Jesus tells his, his disciples, And when they bring you to the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourselves or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. We are to hallow the Lord as Christ. Christ is Lord. He's the one in charge as as John Knox said, with God on his side, man is always in the majority. I like that a lot. We're to pray. Uh, that's, that's a really important thing about being prepared. That's not in this text, but pray. But we are to give a reason. So we have hope to be prepared and finally to give a reason. And we're told in this text very, three very specific things when it comes to, to giving a defense. And the first is with gentleness. With gentleness. You know, we hold our religious beliefs uh, broadly in, in our culture. Anyone does. Religious beliefs are very personal. And we have to be very careful when we are talking with others that we speak with gentleness. We aren't to hit them upside with a two-by-four. It doesn't glorify God when we stand and yell at them. That does not glorify the Lord, and it achieves nothing. Christ was gentle. Christ was gentle. That doesn't mean that we hedge the truth. It doesn't mean we don't say hard things. Jesus talked a lot about hell, and yet he was a gentle man, the God-man Jesus. We're doing it with respect. That's tough, isn't it? You know, the, 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 the number one way you show someone respect is you listen. Even if someone is just talking foolishness, even if they're just dead wrong, it's still what they believe. And we need to listen so that we can understand what they believe. We can hear their story 
Every story has worth and value because everybody's made in God's image. Even the most hardened atheists, even the most vilest ISIS terrorists, everybody's made in the image of God. And when someone asks us for the reason that is an answer for the a reason for the hope that is within us, we must have gentleness and respect. And thirdly, we must have a good conscience. This is a good segue ultimately to the table. A good conscience means a, a pure conscience. We're never without sin. We're never without fighting temptation on this side of the Jordan. There's a difference between repentant sin and unrepentant sin. We see our sin every day. We repent of it and we seek the Lord's grace to to turn from it and not do it anymore. But unrepentant sin is is embracing that sin and saying, no, I'm not going to turn for it. I love this more than I love God. My friends, if we think that we're going to have any effectiveness in our families, in our lives, with our finances, with God, with anything in evangelism then our hearts and our conscience must be pure. God does not bless a ministry with um, an impure conscience because that leads to hypocrisy and it takes away all our boldness. I began this morning asking you if you are ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you. And it's a serious question we must answer and ask ourselves. But when we think ultimately about the reason, it's presented to us this morning in the table that Christ's body would be broken for us and that His blood would be spilt for us. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And the only one who could ever save us, He has spilt His blood so that we might have pure consciences, that we might be declared holy and clean before God, not out of our own works, but because of His grace and all that He has done for us. What's different about us? Not that we're good people, but that Jesus died for us and has made us new. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the love that You have shed upon us. We thank You for the blood and body of Christ uh, through whom we have salvation. We have eternal life. Help us, Lord, to be ready. Help us to fan the flame that is within us that others might take note and that we might be bold just to say something even before they do. Always being ready to give a reason for the hope that is within us. Pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.